I remember middle school on Ash Wednesday, walking into the classroom and seeing fellow students with this streak on their forehead or their hand, and I was like, what is wrong with you guys? I grew up in this small little independent church, and we didn't practice this thing called Ash Wednesday, and it's like, what is this? So, you know, we looked, that's something our church does. Uh, Okay, whatever. Some of you may have that experience as a kid, and you're here going, I have no idea what this Ash stuff is about, but I'm here because the church is open, and it's great to be in church again. That may be you, or it it may be that this is um, part of your faith tradition, and you've practiced this all your life, and you are excited about this. Or maybe you're, you know, just ready to see what's going to happen tonight. With all of those things, it doesn't matter why you're here, we're here together. And we're here to get together to get challenged by God's word, to ask him to open up our hearts, to draw us closer to him, and to see what he's going to do with us and in us. And so for that, I welcome you here. I'm glad you're here. And let's see what God has in store. You can download our Lent guide by texting Lent to 46356. We have a a digital guide we put together, so you can do that at any point. You can do it after the service and have that to be able to use at any time. Lent is this 40 days leading up to the most significant spiritual event in, in Christianity, right? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's probably the 40 most spiritual days in our calendar because today kind of draws our attention to the fact that Jesus died, the ashes, for our sin, our brokenness. An innocent man, and yet he got up and walked out of that grave. And so during this season, we're invited into that process again to to examine our own hearts, to examine our lives and say, where is it that I want to be? God, where have I strayed? Where do you want to correct me? Where do you want to bring me more in alignment with who you are and what you have for me? So that's why we're here. Traditionally, Lent's main practices are aspects of prayer, fasting, almsgiving, being generous to the poor and receiving ashes. We're gonna talk through those things. We're gonna challenge you to take a look at those things in your own life and to see how they might apply. Because in fasting, we, we begin to realize the things in our life that we have become dependent on. Things that we've turned to maybe for advice, maybe we've turned to for a vice, um, a place that makes us feel more comfortable, a, a place, a thing, a something that we substitute Instead of listening to God and seeking him out, we look at these things instead. And so as you part with those, as you set them aside, we're encouraged to focus on what Jesus has for us, how he wants to change us, how he wants to grow us. So that's where we're going. That's what I hope to challenge you with, and I I hope that will resonate with your soul. This Lent season has become particularly important to me. As I have been reflecting and thinking about my personal life, I started going backward and looking at my journey. And I wanna share with you some of the things that have happened to me in the last four years as I've done some reflecting because frankly, I'm, I've been overwhelmed. And I wanna share those things with you not so that you uh, become sympathetic with me or you 
um, look at me differently, but so that you look at your own life and give yourself permission to really look at your own heart, your own journey, your own experiences, your own circumstances, and begin to ask, what does God have for you? Because I'm asking that very same question, God, what do you have for me? So to, to understand this, I serve as the executive pastor here. If you are in business, you can call that the COO. If you're in school, you can call it the vice principal, the guy you never want to see, right, students? All right, so that, that's kind of what I do. Here I am. Um, and here's a, a summary, a quick summary of the last four years of my life and some of the experiences. Four years ago this month, my prayer partner of 15 years passed away suddenly. She not only met with me once a month, um, we became great friends. Uh, I did her husband's funeral a few years before that. Uh, we had spent many times sharing stories about our kids and our families, and I start to, got to the point where I would call her mom because I was the age of her kids. Sweet relationship. Not only did she pray with me but she and prayed for me, but she wrote a letter once a month to a group of people that prayed for me and my family. So March, four years ago, that started two year two weeks later my father passed i did not take time to grieve either one of those because i was in the middle of preparing for the largest project i've ever undertaken and that was the building of the student union and since i was leading that and i had no idea what i was doing i thought i better get to work on it and it was right in that season when i was doing research and we were working on plans that these two left my life. And so I shoved that aside. I pushed into this project that was a, a two years total from the time we started till the time we were able to open. And it was seven months after we opened it that COVID hit and we had to close all the buildings. My wife, Robin, and I in that same four, last four years became licensed foster parents. We took in a girl who wasn't very long later. We pursued adopting and adopted her. We uh, had three of our children graduate from college um, and began that journey. Of course, we didn't get to go to any graduation because COVID, more loss, more loss of things that could have happened that we didn't get to enjoy. We became grandparents. We merged with another church. And I began helping with that transition of what happened. Two months after we officially changed the name of that church to be our Southeast Campus, COVID hit and we closed it and we've never reopened it. We also closed this building to in-person services and went totally online and we began stepping into a crisis management mode that I have never been a part of before trying to figure out what's the best way to navigate this thing called COVID that we have no idea how it pertains to us and what's gonna be tomorrow and things were so ch changing so rapidly. We had no idea what was coming next. Like every other industry, we saw unprecedented staffing changes. People deciding to move because of the situation, to be closer to family, to change what they were doing. It, it was just amazing to me the kinds of changes that happened and all of those changes created more stress, more loss, more saying goodbye to friends and, and people that I loved. Grief continued to grow in my heart. 
loss surrounded me. With the student union completed, we moved on to remodeling this room. I thought it was a great time. Too bad we didn't have it all ready to go when COVID closed, but it didn't. But we moved on, we pressed on, and we thought, okay, how can we make this happen? 18 more months of leading through another building project, moving things along, answering all the questions, going through all the drawings, hiring all the contractors and working through that. In May of 21, we finally interred my dad's ashes at Arlington National Cemetery, three years after he passed. Robin and I celebrated 30 years of marriage, another exciting milestone in our lives. I presided over 19 memorials and said goodbye to friends in the process. More grief, more loss. One of my daughters was in a car accident, totaled her car. Fortunately, she wasn't hurt. More things to deal with. And if that wasn't all enough, 18 months ago, my friend, my pastor, Glenn, decided it was time to step out of his lead pastor role here, which just meant a lot more change and an 18-month search until we have landed on our new pastor, Trevor, and invited him to be a part of us. And now, great new time of learning to work together and for he and I to say, how, how is this gonna look? What's this gonna be? So in all of that, I mean, that's a summary of some of the highlights as I process through, but my response to all of this, and maybe your response in some of your circumstances, it wasn't the best. My response to these circumstances was dig in, work harder. I picked up my backpack and I just started picking up the responsibilities and one rock at a time started throwing them in until I got to the place where I couldn't go very far very fast because of the load that I was carrying. And no, I don't have any control issues. Thank you very much. <laughs> <clears throat> At least not till I started going through this list did I think about my control issues. My wife noticed the impact of all the stress in my life and all that I had taken on and she began to label some of those things as maybe you have compassion fatigue, which got my attention. We, we talked some more. I was so focused on all that I was doing that I had not noticed my slow emotional withdrawal from my wife, from my kids, from others, what I could handle. I gave it all at work and then I came home and it was, became more and more distant. Robin and I became so concerned with my symptoms and how I was acting that was so not me that we went in and I did some cognitive testing to see if something going on. I went and got a physical and said, what is happening to me? What are the things? All those came out just normal and fine, but I was still sliding. I knew things weren't fine. So I did two things as I was stepping into and recognizing where I was at. Uh, I went and saw a counselor after I started on some antidepressants because I couldn't stop the slide myself. By the time I recognized it, by the time I 
got to a place to really be honest with what I was carrying, I couldn't help myself. And so I, I stepped into that. I said, I gotta have something to help me stabilize so I can, I can begin to analyze and work through and be honest about where I'm at and what I've been experiencing. My response to all the grief, the change, the stress, the people coming and going, all of my coping skills, my self-care failed me. Actually, maybe it was that my self-care practices got overwhelmed and became inadequate for my circumstances. So I told you when I began that I'm really looking forward to this Lent season because I'm at a place where I know I'm not done. I know there is more coming. There is more growth. There is more that God wants from me. And to do that, to be able to step into that, I've got to get prepared, which means I've got to get my heart straight. I've got to get back to growing again. I, I was reminded of these words out of Psalm chapter one that have just become an image for me of the abundant life that God has for me and has for you. And as I step into this Lent season, I am embracing this as a vision for what God wants for me. And I'm gonna encourage you to, that it may be the vision that God has for you as well. Let's read Psalm one, first three verses. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Oh, what a beautiful picture that is. Which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. What a great image, what a great metaphor, powerful metaphor about the abundancy that God has planned for you and me. If we think about that, that is a, a tree. You and I, we're trees with roots. We're rooted down into the soil next to the water that is life-giving, and we're able to grow and to flourish. If. We are spending time delighting in the law of the Lord, meditating on his word. Not being distracted by all of the different things the enemy puts out in front of us to destroy us, to ruin us, to overwhelm us, to get us not looking toward God. I realize when reading this message from God's word that I have another chance. I have another opportunity to grow, to change, to get my roots, my spiritual roots, back in order, to ask God to untangle them, and to be able to move and to grow again. The power of Lent, this season in my life, is one that I am embracing fully and stepping into. Gosh, if, if only I had a good illustration. Oh, maybe this will work. Let's see if this will illustrate for you what I've been trying to say. 
You see, this uh, is a plant. It's supposed to be a medium-sized tree. Do you think it's going to be a medium-sized tree in this little box, in this little bucket? No. It, it can't possibly do it. It cannot possibly spread its roots wide enough to support it or to get enough nutrition. It can't happen. It needs something more. It needs to have a look at its roots. And you see, in our situations, yours and mine, things happen. I want you to look at, this was the story of my life. The roots of my heart got tangled. They got overwhelmed. They, COVID's just a piece of this, but all the other circumstances in my life got in here. My roots need to be untangled. Your roots have an opportunity to get untangled. What needs to happen is I need to ask God to take a look at what my life is like, where things are, to say, God, I want more. I want to be the 20-foot tree. I don't want to be small. I don't want to be less than. I want to know you. I want to know what you have for me. And in order to do that, I've got to change some of my circumstances. I've got to open up. I've got to detangle. I've got to ask him to reach in and show me the things that I don't even realize are going on. To open up my heart, to open up my life, and to replant me in a place where my life can grow and I can experience the abundant life that God has for me. That's the power of Lent. That is the power of this season. That's why you have been invited here, however you came, so that your life can be opened up. Your life can see what the possibility is, what the abundant life looks like. I want to encourage you to do a few things. I want you to look at chapter 55 of Isaiah. And we're going to start here and, and unpack some things. And I want to give you some challenges of the way you can move into this season to have your roots opened up, untangled, so that you can experience the abundant life that God has for you. Chapter 55, verse 1 says this, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Students, just milk. That's all you get. All right. <laughs> Why spend your money, if this doesn't explain our lives and our situation right here, right now. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why do we do it? Man, it's just that quick fix that I just have the munchies. I just need this. Why do I do that? Why pay for food that does you no good? We lay out hard-earned cash for stuff that's not going to help us. Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. This is what God has in store for us. The prophet is giving us the way and say, here you go. Here it is. If you will listen, if you will do these things, you will have what you need. And you will flourish. In verse 6, he says this. Seek the Lord while you can find him. 
Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Okay, so sometimes in Lent, our process of coming to God is about, hey, I've been doing some things wrong and I need to change that. Sometimes it's, I'm overwhelmed and I just need to get, re, get in touch with God again and draw near. There's many things that are gonna happen, but I wanna break this down into these four action items. The first one that the prophet mentions is seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. This is where fasting really helps. The idea of fasting is a principle, a, a tool, a practice, is to help us seek God, to set aside something that has our attention, to set aside something that you focus on, that you do a habit, a drink, a screen, an entertainment, a game, or whatever that is. It has your daily attention and draws you in and set that aside so that you can focus on God. Now, the hard thing about fasting is it's really easy to pick something to fast from. That, the hard part is deciding and asking God as we seek him, God, what do you want me to fast from? Because some of you, oh yeah, I got this habit, I'm gonna stop doing that, or I'm gonna stop drinking Diet Coke, or I'm gonna stop doing this, or I'm gonna stop doing this, I'm gonna stop drinking coffee, and I'm gonna drive everybody crazy. I'm gonna stop doing this, you know, why punish, why punish everybody else with your fasting? <laughs> why don't you ask God what he wants you to lay down for him? We start there. When we started that place, some of you came in tonight because you do this every year and you're ready and you came out, here's what I'm gonna, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask you to set that aside and seek God. I wanna ask you to seek him and ask him, God, what is it in my life that is more important to me than you that you want me to set aside so that I can truly seek you and be committed to you and focus on you? The second thing the prophet says is call on him. Call on God. This is where prayer comes in. This is the practice of prayer. Like any good relationship, we have communication. You sit down with somebody. How many times have you said, man, we gotta do this more often? Especially in this season, you pick up the phone, you're talking to somebody you haven't talked to, you see people you haven't seen in months, and you go, wow, we, we really need to get together more often. I need this. That kind of conversation is what we call prayer with God. It's being able to say to him and look at him and talk to him and just say, God, I'm, I'm gonna lay out my heart. I wanna call on you. I wanna ask you not be distracted by these other things. Since I've set that aside and the thing about fasting is you really miss, you know, as soon as you say, I'm gonna give up pizza, and the next thing you think is, man, I really want some pizza. Right? You fixate on it. All of a sudden, it's in your mind. It's all you, all you want. I'm going to give up Diet Coke. Oh, i got to have a Diet Coke. We, we begin to fixate on that item, and God says, lay it aside and seek me. And so when you lay that aside, when you have those ideas or that temptation or drawn back to it, God says, seek me. Call on me. Talk to me. Because I am in the midst of your life, and I want to have a conversation with you. And instead of turning to that distraction, turn to me. Have a conversation. Third thing he says is change 
your ways. The prophet encourages us. He says, let the wicked change their ways. Some of the things we have in our life that God is asking us to change, we may not classify as being wicked. Is that my definition? Is that your definition? Is that my justification in the process of that? What does God say about it? Do we have things and habits and behaviors that we've justified and we've come to this place of saying, oh, this is good, this is healthy, this is fine. Everybody's doing it. If you've said that phrase about any of your behaviors, that's probably one you need to lay down and go, this is wicked. Because if everybody's doing it, it's probably not good. Because that's just a mere justification for that kind of behavior. So take a look at that and look look inside. Allow God to look at you to examine the roots of your heart. Where are you planted? Where are you rooted? Are you rooted next to the water, listening and meditating to his word, allowing your heart to be filled and your soul to be overflowing in this abundant life that God has? Or are you listening to the lies of what's going on and allowing the circumstances of your life, the desires of your heart to overwhelm you, to be in a place that, frankly, are not good for you. It's not what you were designed for. It's not what I was designed for. And lastly, lastly, God says, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. This last step is a reminder to turn to him and not to my habits or circumstances for comfort, for healing, for feeling better, for the quick fix, for the caffeine, for the sugar, for whatever that is that we've learned to look for and we reach out for. He says, turn to me. Turn to the Lord. Remember the Lord, the one who in just 40 days will be celebrating the fact that death could not hold him, that he was able to walk out of the grave and say, for you, because you can't, I will. Because you're overwhelmed by the burden that you carry and your sin keeps you separated from God, I will step in your place and I will bring you freedom. I will bring you and invite you into a place of abundant life. When we turn to God, instead of all of the other things that we're tempted with and tempted by. You know, I've really been challenged lately with a a phrase that kind of hit me. It's things that's obvious, but it really kind of has stretched my faith. It's like God, the creator of everything, who sent Jesus to die for me, who gave me freedom, who created and knows my inmost being. He wants from me the one thing that he will not take. He wants my faithfulness. He wants me to turn to him. But he will not take that from me. He invites me. He allows me to bring that to him. But he will not take it. He's created us to be interactive, to be human, not to be robots, but to approach him and to come to him. And he invites us into this abundant relationship with him. And he says, come join me, but I'm not going to force you. Come join me to the river. Come join me as you meditate on my word. Let me 
Fill your soul. Let me show you the abundant life. But I'm not going to force you. Psalm 1-3, that person, the person who sets aside everything else and focuses, that person, that church, that city, that country that is rooted, planted by streams of water will yield its fruit in season, whose leaf will not wither. Whatever they do will prosper. Can you imagine that being said of you, that your life was lived in such a way that everything you did prospered, that you always gave fruit in season, that you were there and present when somebody needed something and you were there ready to help and ready to serve. You see, I got to the place where I was serving and doing and giving, but I wasn't filling. And I got empty. And I have a chance to ask God to detangle my roots and get me into a place where I can be filled again to be able to have fruit in season, to have life, the abundant life that Jesus came to offer. May your Lent season find you rooting in the word of God next to the river of life that he has given you. After I pray for us in just a minute, you're gonna have a chance if you desire to come forward and, and receive ashes. Now, some of you think, I don't want any ashes on me. I'm, I'm clean. I, I, don't, I don't do that thing. Some of you are like, I can't wait. That's why I came. The ashes represent the, the death of Christ, the death of our sin. We think of that. And you think of things that have burned up. The ashes is all that remains. It's a pledge. I don't want to force you into that. That's not the idea. We're not going to coerce you. This is an invitation. It's an opportunity. I want you to experience that if your heart is ready, if it makes sense, if you are hearing God saying, absolutely, you are ready. You're in a place that this makes sense. And, and it, don't do it because everybody's doing it, right? That doesn't make it right. Do it because your heart says, this is what I want. And it's an opportunity. It's an invitation as those ashes are applied to you, this phrase will be said to you, may these ashes remind you to seek the abundant life that Jesus offers. These ashes are a reminder about the life that you have, the one that Jesus invites you and in, the one that he's given, the one he's, I died for this. You don't need to live in prison. You don't need to live in sin. You don't need to live in these broken places. You can have life. I've come to give it to you. And may that be your reminder. There are four stations in the front and there are two in the back and there'll be three people back there. So wherever you feel most comfortable in a moment when I pray, if you would like to have that, if you are ready to make that commitment, if your heart says, that's, I'm good, great. And if it's an odd thing to you, that's fine. I grew up, it was odd. I mean, it's like, I didn't, I, I didn't, and have any idea what ashes were and lint were and everything, and then we started this thing a few years ago, and I'm like, we're doing what? Isn't that a Catholic thing? I mean, it wasn't, oh, don't only Catholics do that? And we're like, no, anybody can do it. It's not only one place, one church. We can do it too. It's like, oh, we can? Oh, all right, well, let's try it out then. 
So that was my journey. Your journey may be similar. It might be, I don't know, that's too weird for me. These people walking around with ashes. Again, it's individual. There's no judgment here, just an invitation. Just like Jesus has invited you and invited me to draw near to his Father. We have permission and an invitation to draw near to God. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you don't leave us abandoned and knotted up in small pots, Father, but you've invited us to spread our roots. In fact, not only that, God, you've promised to reach in and into our lives and help us with that, to show us where we are and to show us where you want us to be. Father, I thank you for your patience with me in my journey. Father, that you have not forsaken me, you have not abandoned me, and you've always been a God that is willing to give us another chance. I thank you, Father, for being so approachable. And I pray for us, this room full of people, as we seek you and we seek the best that you have. In Jesus' name, amen.